0: Okay, welcome into the latest edition of Lima Land Hoops and History. I'm your host, Matt Childers. It's great to be with you. Uh, this week uh, is a legendary coach uh, in our uh, region and uh, really uh, a, uh, a dear friend uh, over the years that uh, I'm really pleased to have at this table. And uh, we welcome in, it's the uh, former head coach of Lima Central Catholic. It's Coach Bob Sagerson Coach! How you doing in all of these uh, days where we have uh, the coronavirus and we're kind of sheltered in place? How is your world treating you?
1: Not bad. You know, I missed a lot of the socialization. Uh, try to get out every day for a long walk. Do a lot of FaceTime with the grandkids in Columbus and uh, stay in touch with the, my own kids. But, uh, you know, I miss, I miss the, the social interaction, you know, but I understand that lockdown, I, I support it.
0: Yeah, indeed. Um, we need one of those days to head up to, uh, Oklahoma with your, uh, old college <laughs> roommate and coach Lehman and Bagley and Ron yeah. Williams. Um, that was a good trip. Those are the, those are the memories that I'm kind of holding on to right now to be able to, uh, you know, know that those days will be, uh, with us again. But, uh, you're right. I'm 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 actually walking a couple of times a day and uh, just uh finished up uh playing a little bit of golf. Uh, it was a beautiful day. We're we're taping this on uh Friday the 24th of April. So uh it's great to have you with me uh and you know it, it's uh there's probably geez, in our area there's probably no one better to to help me with this uh history of Limeland hoops than you because you were able to live it as a young boy growing up and uh, have the history of uh, a little bit before you and then uh, you've been doing this since you know the 1960s but we had five Mr. Basketballs uh, I always share that on the podcast and um, why don't I, I actually quote you and I probably get it wrong but I always say like Joey Meyer or Rick Pitino or Jim Boeheim when you were at Five Star used to say hey what's going on over in Lyme, Ohio uh, with all these great guards and all this great basketball so uh, yeah. what what would yeah. you say to that?
1: Well, you know, I brought in three consecutive years. I brought Simpson over for some for some summers, and I and and brought Aaron Hutchins and then Boogie uh, Lyles and uh, you know and and other good guards from this area have been coming for a long time. The guys would come over to my house, and I would drive them over to Pittsburgh for a week, and uh, really from the entire area, but. One day I was uh, watching a, a night game, which was really fun there at Five Star, an outdoor court. the all outdoor courts. And uh, some assistant coach, it was actually an assistant coach from an ACC team. And, you know, I, I should remember his name. I don't. Um, I think it was North Carolina or NC State. And he asked me if I was Sigurdsson. I I was a guy from Lima, Ohio. I said, yeah. And he said, you mind if I ask you a favor? And I said, what? He says, what? What's going on? In Lima, Ohio. I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, how, how are you guys making all these guards? And he says, we're hearing about these guards that are coming out of Lima. And I just said, no, we play, (laughs) we get after it up there, but he was impressed at a community the size of Lima. Yeah. And that, that goes back a ways now. You know, you know, it just didn't start with, uh, Greg Simpson. You know, I mean, you, you, you gotta, you can go way back. Yeah, in Lima history, and find some really great ball players in the 40s and 50s and 60s, leading 70s, leading up to that time. So, well, let's, Lima just had a love affair with basketball for a long time.
0: Yeah, and let's do that. And, and folks, we're doing this on Zoom, and then uh, hopefully it gets translated onto the podcast and the radio. And it's best if we both uh, sit a little closer to the uh, computer when you hear each other better. But, coach, okay. I, I would say this: uh, the, take us back. Take us back to. Um, you know, the the kind of your memories of growing up and, you know, the folks that you thought about uh, that inspired you to play hoops. And then some of those people that uh, uh, you even said, uh, you know, could be in the conversation for Mr. Basketball from Lima uh, way prior to 1990. Well, I started playing ball as a kid in the
1: 1950s. So, I mean, I didn't really have a lot of stars other than the ones I saw on TV. There wasn't as much athletics on TV. But uh, the guy that really had a lot of influence on my basketball career was when I was about an eighth or ninth grader. I used to go down to Bradfield and play basketball or try to get in those games. And there was a man that lived two, two houses from Bradfield by the name of Cleo Vaughn who was the first African American to scholarship, uh dress, start, and score points at Ohio State University, kind of a legend. And he was like a playground legend. And he, mm. he, he kind of took me under his wing a little bit. But he was the first great basketball player I remember. Now obviously Tom Williams uh, was before him in the forties, he and Johnny McCaid, names like that, were were, you know, great players back then, but I didn't see them play. Um, and when I was growing up, I, I you know, I idolized people like uh, Bob Gunn at, at Lima Senior High, Billy Murphy at LCC, but when, in the mid-60s, when I started playing myself in high school, the, the great player was Jeff Miller, and Miller would have been Mr. Basketball, I mean, he was the best player at the state, went to Ohio State, had a great career cut short by a, a, a really bad knee injury that in those days could end your career, but he was a shoe-in for for, you know, uh, Mr. Basketball. Joe Fisher, a lot of people would tell you, was a shoe-in the 1970 for Mr. Basketball. In 69, um, Bath had a great uh, uh, a team, and they had a big man that year that went to Kentucky.
0: Yeah, Jim Andrews.
1: Um, Jim Andrews. I mean, it, yeah. he would have been in the running.
0: Yeah, uh, you're right. Then, you're right. I forgot about you know, him. There, yeah, there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of players, so. Basketball
1: was, was good in that, that that stretch when I was playing basketball at Lima Central Catholic in '64 and '65 and '66. From that year right up to 1970, you can make a pretty good argument that 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 might have been the best basketball talent in Lima. Now, I don't pick, I wouldn't pick. I don't like picking the greatest list. Number yeah. one is, but there, there were so many Division One players in the city at that time that uh, they were just back-to-back. And, uh, of course, recruiting was different in that age. You know, it it wasn't that big of a deal. In fact, the Kentucky coach who signed Andrews and Penorwood out of math, saw them by accident. Mm. He was actually on his way to scout uh, a player at Finley. This was before billion-dollar recruiting. And uh, on the way up to see uh, a Finley player, he stopped to get gas off I-75, and he asked the gas station attendant, any good players in this area? Hmm. He said, well, there's a 6'10 player going against a 6'9 player right down the road at Bath High School. So he went there instead, and he signed three players from that game. He signed Penorwood, and he signed uh, Andrews, and he signed uh, Perry, a, a young man. I think his name was Dan Perry from Shawnee, who was 6'8", 6'9". Wow. All three of them went to Kentucky. Wow. So. That's how recruiting worked in those days. It's yeah, a little
0: different now. Yeah, I think it was uh, Joe B. Hall. the The story goes that that's uh, he stopped to get some gas uh, out on uh, Blue Lick Road and ended up uh, uh, watching John Ellis's coach John Ellis's team uh, with uh, Jim Andrews and Penorwood. So uh, you you mentioned Jeff Miller, and there is actually a uh, uh, some signage, uh, uh, you know, a banner type out at Shawnee now that. Uh, talked about uh you know AP you know player of the year that type of thing. Uh, he and Bruce Burden and then would they have played against Joe Fisher and the Dan Saddlers? Did that ever did that ever connect or the Well
1: that, yeah Saddler would have played. He would he would have been a senior the same year that Jeff Miller was a senior. But that Shawnee team that went to state when there were two divisions, division one and two, A and AA they called it they were play, competing in the biggest division. They went all the way down and, and played at State. But that team had a player go to Ohio State. They had a player that went to Nebraska. They had a player that went to Bowling Green. And they had a player that went to Kent State. Mm. I mean, that, that team was loaded now. I mean, you know, that, that that's a pretty loaded basketball team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and several other players on that team, he played small college, or played Division One football. Wow. So it was just a... a Dominant team, and uh, so I, I actually guarded uh, Jeff Miller when I was a junior, uh, and uh, he had just uh, he was a terrific player. You know, you start that argument about the greatest player in of history. Everybody starts with the McDonald Bowl American, Craig Simpson. You know, they throw Hutch in and all the guys who have been Mr. Basketball. Yeah, but you got to throw Miller right into that conversation mm. because if he has not blown out his knee at Ohio State in his junior year. He would have been in the NBA. He was a shoo-in for the NBA. He was just a terrific player. Wow. So, you know, it, 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 it's so hard when you're comparing generations. You know that it's very difficult. Yeah, yeah. But, but my point is that there was a lot of great players throughout Lima's history. It just didn't start in you know in the nineties,
0: right? Um, Joe Fisher and Dan Sadler, Dan came before Joe. Uh, both went to Dayton. What what was the connection there? Uh, and then Sadler ended up playing in the final four against Lou Alcindor, John Wooden, and UCLA. What was the connection between Lima Central Catholic and uh, UD? You know, I, I think the connection was that in those
1: days, the only, the only you could only get three TV stations. Mm-hmm. You could get Toledo, Dayton, and Lima, mm-hmm. and so the Dayton games were on TV. And so the only games that I used to see when I was growing up are University of Dayton games. That's so good, you, you yeah. would watch those games. And, you know, Dayton, Don Donover had made some connections, especially with a lot of the Catholic schools. In Toledo, at Delphus, a number of Delphus players made the connection to University of Dayton and the same thing at LCC. So Dan Sadler actually could have gone to Notre Dame. He was recruited by them but he went to Dayton because I think he just had a connection there because he watched them. And I know Joe Fisher for instance, he was recruited at a national level. He was recruited very very highly and he went to University of Dayton simply because they connected with him when he was very young and that's who he grew up watching. He he loved the Dayton Flyers and so it was that connection. Now you turn the TV on and you can you can become a fan of you know, East Coast, West Coast, South, and
0: everywhere else. But in those
1: days, the only TV you saw was University of Dayton. Yeah, yeah. What and occasionally the Buckeyes.
0: Right. How how I do remember that. I remember that you would see. It was so much fun. You would see kind of the the uh, the round robin of Notre Dame, DePaul, Dayton. They were in some type of affiliation. There was a there was a Catholic school affiliation that it might not have been a league, but they they played. That was who was on the TV when I was growing up there. I'm old enough to know that there were only four TV stations or channels back in the day and one right. of them was Dayton Channel 7 and uh, that's what uh, that's that's what we watched and that's where you got your Dayton flyer uh, dose uh, when you think about uh, Fisher and he really his name comes up a lot um, who would you for those that don't know and would be hearing this? Who would you compare him to uh, that folks would know over the, say, the the decade of the 90s, 2000s, and today?
1: You know, that's a good question. He's a player. He was 6'8", a legitimate 6'8", and he was built. He had the body of a guy that lifted a lot of weights hmm. before weights were even used. Yeah. And he was a terrific shooter. He was a great face at 6'8". He was in the pivot a lot, and he scored inside a lot. But what he could really do was he could shoot from the perimeter. He, he had a great touch. And uh, he was one of those guys that should have played in an era when there was a the three-point shot. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you talk about a big man who could go out on the perimeter, and you had to guard him. Right. Would have been, and he, had, and he, he was not a great leaper. You know, he did not have long arms. So he was a little limited in that regard. I'm trying to find somebody to compare him to from the '90s, or but I Lima has not had a lot of big guys. I no. mean, Lima's history of basketball
0: really is very, very hard-oriented. Yeah,
1: it's we be- haven't been blessed with a lot of the soccer. It,
0: it feels and like so he
1: played like a guard. Yeah,
0: and it feels like
1: comfortable the- playing facing the basket.
0: Yeah, it feels like the. Uh, the era that you just described and some of the people you were describing was much taller than what we're used to. Uh, you know, in the '80s, '90s, and today, uh, you kind of describe what what I was kind of imaging uh, because I did see uh, Fisher play a little bit. I I went with my parents a couple of times to watch uh, him play at Dayton, but I, I was very young, very young. Um, uh, but you, kind of, it almost seems like you're describing Christian Leitner.
1: Yeah, that would be a pretty good description. Although you know he hit, he, he started three. You know you can only play three years at that time of college basketball. You had to be in, you had your freshman team, but he started three years for Dayton. I think he scored a thousand points. He um, played on some really really great basketball teams, but I don't think his college career ever met the expectation of what he would. People thought it was going to be because, you know, he scored nearly 2,000 points in high school yeah. and he was highly, highly recruited. Mm. And, uh, and, and, and so some people would say, well, his, his career was a little disappointing. I never did. I mean, he had a great career at Dayton and he had started for three seasons and, uh, you know, they had played for some solid teams. But he, he didn't you know he didn't reach that all American status. I think that a lot of people thought that he was destined for based on his high school career, which was really extraordinary.
0: Yeah, yeah, it uh, it certainly was. And that's, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's two thousand points without the three point line. Um, that's scoring an right. awful lot of points. That's a that's a lot of clip. And wasn't it that we didn't start playing twenty games a season until a certain point? He probably only played. Eighteen games a season uh, to get to that number.
1: Yeah, plus he did get them to the regional final uh, his senior year, and uh, but uh, you're right, it's less less games, and yeah. there were a lot of players that I can know from my era and who I coached who would have been phenomenal players if there was a three point line. I mean, look at Billy Tafflinger. Yeah, I mean his shot all came from way beyond three point. When I played, there was a guy that lighted by the name of Jim Baxter, who works at the Fieldhouse now. You see him a lot. Yeah, he was the deepest shooter I've ever seen. And uh, I mean, I, I don't—he'd start shooting after he got out past half court, and he'd make those shots. He—he he would have yeah. been a phenomenal. Career.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, let's let's move into uh, you know that that uh, that seventies era. What what do you recall about some of those players that uh, that played around our our city? Uh, in 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 our region in the seventies,
1: well, one of the things about the seventies was that no team from Lima went to state in in the seventies. You know, so it, it it wasn't quite as dominant. You know, you didn't have as many dominant teams as as you had. You know, in, mm. in some of the other decades. But uh, probably the most memorable players to me were. Uh, the young man from Lima Senior High who ended up playing professional ball and is now coaching in the NBA. and uh, John McCullough. Uh, John McCullough, who had a, a nice high school career and was recruited, one of those guys who was recruited at the last second, and uh, went up to Oklahoma when an assistant coach, Dave Bliss, from Indiana, uh, was actually scouting somebody else. And then when he got the job at the head coach at Oklahoma, he remembered uh, you remember John and he went back and he offered him and he had just a great career, all American career at Oklahoma and mm-hmm. ended up playing some time in the NBA. And so from that standpoint, you know, if you go through the entire decade of the seventies, that's the one I remember. Although there were some great players. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember Tom Terry being a great player. Uh, Lawrence Stubblefield uh, was a great player in, through the 1970s. Uh, he played for Southern Illinois yeah. and, uh, there, but the 70s was not one of the... You know, if you were comparing decades, I think that the 70s wasn't quite as strong as some of the decades before and
0: after. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you recall of... Uh, th- there's a couple of names that... Uh, this is when I start... This is now when I start remembering basketball. It was uh, Emzer Shirels. Oh, yeah. Uh, went to Bowling Green.
1: He was a nice player. And, you know, that was the era when... The, the tip off classic started in oh, Lima.
0: Oh, the holiday and tournament. Was, the holiday, holiday tournament. Yeah,
1: yeah. The holiday tournament, and yeah. uh, it, it it at the beginning it was rotated from school to school. I
0: remember, yeah. And
1: uh, it was terrific, and there were some tremendous final games there, and, and probably the most those were those were just that was a great idea. Eventually they left it at senior high. Senior high hosted it every year, and yeah. Uh, there was just some tremendous games, but I remember that starting in the early '70s, and it was a highlight of the, the, the basketball season around here because the schools started playing each other, you know, in, in a tournament, and, and you couldn't get you couldn't get in there with a shoehorn and i line the senior high.
0: No, you're right. Uh, do you recall who started the uh, how did that came came to be the holiday tournament?
1: You know, I think the athletic directors just sat down and uh, and. I don't know who spearheaded it, but I know that, you know, originally it was uh, Johnny Bath, LCC, and Lima Senior High. And uh, the very first year of the tournament, it just became a great tournament. People yeah. wanted to see it. That, that old gym at Lima Senior High, the one on Pierce Street, that, you know, old-timers will talk about, that. that the atmosphere created in that gym hmm. during that, that – uh, Holiday tournament was just almost indescribable I mean, the passion and the noise and the, and the the stakes, you know, that were, the, the game. The, the stakes of that game just took basketball to a different level. And uh, people started talking about that that holiday tournament in summer. I mean, people were writing yeah. about that and, and, and talking trash and everything <laughs> else. Everybody, you know, everybody was ready for that game. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I remember that probably from the seventies more than I do. Some of the great players and you know, some of the great
0: teams. Yeah, well, and and yeah, there, there was uh, that's really when I started watching basketball. Coach was and going to games was right in that era where um, Lima Senior was very dominant. Uh, I, I remember a guy by the name of Jim Davenport, and uh, there was a guy by the name of Nate Walton who I think was Travis's dad. He uh, was Paul Whitney. He was a great player. They they, they were the players. Um, and then that bumped right up against you becoming uh, the head basketball coach at LCC, and then you had some really nice success uh, in that holiday tournament uh, in your early career.
1: Yeah, I, I started as a coach in the78 79 season and uh, and then it, it, my when I assumed the head coaching position. The timing was perfect, because at that point in time, some great players were coming through our system. I mean, we, we were just, you know, we did, it just hit at the right time, and mm. through the 80s, uh, we had great teams and, you know, some great tournament runs, but it also meant that the holiday tournament, off and down, came down to Lima Central Catholic playing Lima Senior High, mm. the championship game, you know, over the holidays between you know, Christmas and New Year's Eve and hit it, those games, as you know, because you played in some of those games, mm. that was thrilling to coach. And mm. it just, it just, it was just, uh, it was just some of the best coaching experiences of my life took place in the eighties during that time, that era in yeah. that tournament.
0: Yeah. And, uh, it really, it kind of, you know, frankly, it, it, it kind of, you know, launched your coaching career because you were able to coach in some, if you're listening to this and you didn't have the experience to go to the holiday tournament, it was everything. And then more than what coach is saying, it, it, the atmosphere was electric. Uh, they would open up the top end of the, uh, of, of the uh, gymnasium. And there wasn't, you know, as good as the Elida Fieldhouse is today, uh, the Lima senior venue uh the old Lima senior venue was uh, that and and more some, and and it was just loud and, um, you know, it it was a thrill. It was a thrill to play there, but uh, you had, you had very, I mean, you had good success there in the early eighties and you won some really tight games against Lima senior. What, what did that, what do you think that did for your program?
1: Well, you know, it just, when you, Beat a lot of senior high in that game. It just boosted the confidence of every athlete on the floor. Mm. And, uh, you know, and in several of those games, we we're not favored to win the game. And we went out in front of a big crowd against great teams and and won some ga- games. And senior high was packed with some pretty great players. I mean, Andre Reed played in that AT. Uh, Thompson was just, he was just, just a beautiful player to watch play. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so you had a lot of talent. On both teams, and they went at it. And because they've been playing all summer against each other on different courts around town, it just raised the stakes. And the people in the stands knew it too. So you couldn't get anybody else in that gym for those games. And winning those games, I think it elevated our program because it elevated the confidence of our players. And, you know, we weren't in a league at that time. We were we were not in the league. So we basically played for the, ter- the postseason tournament. Yeah. And that's all about confidence. And so we would go into the tournament oftentimes with good records, but not, you know, eye-opening records. But because of who we played against and because of who we scheduled, we were ready. Yeah, And, you know, we would play teams with, you know, very good records and, you know, who had gotten a lot of headlines. But it, it didn't matter because we were playing King Flight, like the Senior High and that kind of pressure. And so we were we were comfortable in big games and in pressure games against talent. It it was just okay for us. Yeah. And that 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 so in that way it really impacted the success we had as a basketball program.
0: Yeah, for sure. This is uh, Matt Childers and Coach Bob Segerson on Lima Land Hoops in History, uh, the podcast, and uh, we're uh, in part one. We'll end up doing a a part two down the road here uh, with Coach Segerson's. a more uh uh recent uh you know maybe the 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 90s going forward but um why do you think why do you think the holiday tournament then ended with it was such a such a hit uh for the community it was such a hit uh uh financially i'm I'm guessing just because of the the attendance and then it went away and then the tip-off classic chris adams and you got together, and uh, you guys, you know, uh, Elida started the tip-off classic that started in the beginning of the year, but why do you think that uh, that went away with such really phenomenal, phenomenal settings uh, and phenomenal games well, in the holiday tournament?
1: Well, the real reason it went away was because Machine Senior High was placed in a position where they were expected to win that every year. I mean, that was the expectation. Mm. And if they won, yeah. it was like ho hum. You're supposed to win, sure. And when they lost, they took a lot of heat, I think. And uh, eventually, I think that's what happened because uh, we started winning it. Shawnee won it, and uh, I I just think the pressure on the athletic program was too much to bear. To be honest with you, they had their league. You know that that league, that Gol, that they were in, was such a great league that they had enough pressure. Just trying to stay focused on that, where this this tournament was becoming bigger than that, and I think yeah. that uh, I, th- I think the pressure was on, and I, so I think they wanted out, mm-hmm. and uh, there was some discussion about maybe just bringing Elida in and having a four, you know, a four-team tournament without, Lima senior high, but they, you know, I that be not part of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's and so
1: I I argued uh, for years, Matt. Then I used to talk about, let's do this, you know, let's do this. I I kept, you know, I kept at it, but I didn't really get a lot of receptive. I always thought that I always dreamed of what the early nineties would have been like if the Hutchins brothers were going against uh, Simpson and Lyles and that great team Mm, in a a holiday tournament, what that would have been like. But you know, after, you know, after a number of years, uh, I think uh, they, they put it back together. You know, it was it was off for a good uh, fifteen years or so, and then they, they finally got it back on. And we actually were we started well. They didn't put that on; they scheduled senior high. So senior high and LCT, they just played a game every
0: year. That's right. Yeah.
1: But, and it's still a great game. I mean, some of those games have been terrific, yeah. but I, I just think the atmosphere of the holiday tournament just took it up even another notch. I, I
0: agree. I agree. Yeah. Well said. Okay, so uh, the the beauty of the LCC-Lima Senior relationship um, ended up having LCC play their home games on Lima right. Senior's floor. And you coached uh, from 1979, 1979 to uh, 2010. And uh, for a lot of those years, you were at Lima Senior. Do you remember, A... Uh, how that came about and then B I want to talk about the mixers when they came into town and just a little bit of that professional basketball flavor because they also played at Lima senior and yeah. so there there's three that was a home that was the home floor for three teams for two years uh, in the early 80s in
1: 1956 the two schools South and Central High School formed Lima Senior High and they built this beautiful gym they both had played all their games at South Junior High or South High School for years and years. But this gym that they built was a compared to other high schools at that time. At the very next year, LCC was formed as the Catholic high schools, the smaller ones came together. And Father Her at that time was building a building and he knew that how expensive to build a big gym would be. At that time, Lima Senior High had this beautiful gym, and the only people that were playing in it were the varsity boys and the JV boys. There was no girls, there was no freshmen, Mm. there was no gymnastics, there was no volleyball, there was nothing else. So there was plenty of time and space. And so he sat down with Dr. McGovern, and they worked it out, or who, you know, the board, and they shared the gym. And so we were given a practice on Wednesday nights, and once Senior High's uh, schedule was filled, our athletic director would go in and try to fill the home games, you know, for LCC. Yeah. And it was a marriage. It's a marriage that worked and it contributed to the fact that for most of the history between Lima Central Catholic and Lima Senior High, there's been a lot of goodwill and, and the competitiveness and the competitive nature of the athletics did not evolve into a, uh, uh, kind of a rivalry that you see in some cities that's not good that they have to end because it becomes negative. There there was a respect there between the two communities because Lima Central Catholic uh, community appreciated what Lima Senior High was doing for LCC and uh, I think the Lima community also appreciated the fact that the voters when they went to vote on levies like buildings and things like that were getting support from the Catholic community in Lima. It was a Perfect give and take, uh, something that sometimes was missing in a lot of cities, and I think was missing for a while even in Lima. But I think it's back on track. And I, but that's how that whole thing started. Now, yeah. eventually, more sports started coming into Lima Senior High, and it became very difficult for the athletic director to, to schedule our games. In mm. fact, I give uh, uh, Wayne Brown and uh, and Doc Offenbaker, um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of credit because yeah. it, it was hard for them to schedule us in. We lost our practices, but we were getting our games in. But I, I appreciated how difficult that was because now they had, you know, they had the, the freshmen at Senior high. they had girls basketball, they yeah. had gymnastics, they had re- you know, wrestling, they had more sports. So it, it became a real difficult, it, and finally we got our own gym, obviously, but I've never forgotten the gracious way that Senior I allowed us to play in that gym and, and, and make sure. the sacrifice to make room
0: for us. Yeah. Boy, it was a great gym to play. It was a great home court to, to play in, for sure. Um, My favorite the uh uh all time. Okay, so we would practice there on, uh, I think it was Wednesday nights, if I recall. Yep. And, uh, and then afterwards, uh, in 1982-83 season, uh, that's when the Ohio Mixers, uh, the Sawyer family, brought a professional basketball team to Lima, and uh, it was it was legit. It was for real basketball. It, it was it was it was the next step. Next stop was the NBA for these guys, and a lot of yeah. them were either coming down on ten day contracts or going back up and uh, trying to make it in the league. And uh, what what are your what are your impressions and uh, how would you describe? Uh, that time period for uh, Lima Land Hoops?
1: Well, that time period when the mixers were playing at Lima Senior High was probably my favorite to- all time to be associated with basketball because mm-hmm. not only was I coaching good basketball teams in the 80s, but I got to be around the mixers. And the stories that we can, you know, pull out about the mixers and the characters and the colorful characters <laughs> and the coaches. And in uh, the, the games, they, uh, about half of them I can't tell, you know. <laughs> I mean, I can only tell <laughs> in a private setting. But it was just really neat because, as you said, legit, we practiced on Wednesday nights. And when our practice was over, that's when the mixers played their games. Yeah. They played them on Wednesday nights. And so we, you know, not only did we get done practice, those mixers would come in and watch us practice. And then we'd stick around afterwards and watch the games. Yeah. And it, it, you know they, you talk about talent coming in there. These these were great, and you know these are a lot of ex NBA players, to be NBA players, players who you know, except for their colorful behavior, may have been great NBA players. Yeah. It, yeah. it was it was so much fun, and and just I look back now, and I, there's a book in there really. Yeah. Some. About that mixer team and 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 how they did it. I hated when they left. I hated when mm. they finally they folded because it, they just brought a color to Lima that was just as it's never been like that since. They no, were fun.
0: No, no question, no question. Well, this is part one with Coach Segerson uh, and I'm Matt Shoulders. We're talking Land hoops and history. Uh, you've done a really nice job writing Lima News columns um, over the last. Uh, how many years has it been?
1: Well, uh, this was my tenth year because I started in 2010. My right. first column was 2000. I only, I was only going to do one. Matt, uh, uh, the editor of, of the uh, Lima News asked me if I would, if uh, Jim Crumble, if I would write one on a Sunday. You know, right before the season started. So I wrote one and. Yeah. He called me, and he said, we're getting a nice response to this. Would you like to do one every other week or so? So mm-hmm. I did one every week. I thought I would do maybe three or four, but they just kept coming and coming and coming, and, and I really enjoyed doing yeah. them. They're fun to do, but I also enjoy when the season, basketball season is over because then I, can, I get a break, and I I've, I've really formed a real respect for those writers who – You know, have to write something every, you know, every day, every week, all year long, and I just have a lot of respect for those guys because it's it's not easy to do.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, Well, you do a great job with it, and um, that's why you're you're really, I mean, you're in the in the mantra of the archivist for Limeland hoops and history because you're doing a lot of research and you've got a really good memory on it, and you're also diving into some other things that, you know, a lot of us you know, came before our time and and then being able to highlight such uh, great basketball here. Um I, I would I would ask you uh as as we kind of you know come to the end of part one um, your 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 thoughts on the rivalry that became uh maybe the biggest rivalry for you. We talked Lima Senior, but at the time the Delpha St. John's rivalry between the, the Catholic community of Lima and then the Catholic community of Delphus, and, and of course uh, Bob Arnes and uh, really the legendary coach from Delphus St. John's.
1: Yeah, I, I you know that's a big part of anybody that played basketball at LCC, even to this day. But when I grew up, that was the game where you would stand outside the gym before the teams even mm-hmm. showed up to play to to get a good seat. And we played twice: once once at Delphus and once at I'm a senior every year and it was always on a Sunday so you get everybody's coaches and players and other people coming in and LCC and Delphus both have great basketball tradition so it meant a lot and this goes back I mean this goes way back Uh, I won the first time I coached against Delphus in uh, 1978 that season they were good we played them at Elida at the time that's when they went, went to one game a year and uh I, we beat Delphus. We kind of upsell Delphus my first year. And my phone that night rang off the hook. Mm. I I got a call from Johnny McKay, I got a call from uh, Skip Davis. I got calls from some woman. I didn't even know. I mean, people, these old timers were calling me to congratulate me on beating God. And I did not realize how important this was to previous generations. I mean, uh Tommy Davis' his dad, Skip, broke down crying on the phone, <laughs> because we had, <laughs> and I remember saying to my wife, Janie, man, this is really something. I, I thought I understood the, the rivalry, but I, I understood it a little bit more. So I, I watched it as a kid, I played in it as an athlete, and I coached in it. And it was a special kind of rivalry. You know, every school has a special rivalry, yeah. but that, at LCC Delta St. John's rivalry was just unbelievable. It doesn't reach the level of passion that it once did. It's still important you know, to people in the community, but I, it was really one of those things that I think earlier in, the, in my career and, yeah. and before me, it was like it, it was you, you got to win that game. Yeah, <laughs> you got to win that game because Father Her was the principal at lineman st. John's when their program was you know in the 30s and 40s and 50s when it was really building up and then he came over to LCC and there was nobody that he wanted to be more than Delta st. John's too so you not only get it from the fans you know we knew what it meant to our principal father her so yeah he, he, he had a, Matt he had a basketball on his desk behind his desk for years it was the 1949 Delta st. Johns state basketball it was the basketball they won the state championship with oh. and it had 1949 state champions. And he had that on his desk for years and years. And every once in a while when we'd be doing really great or, you know, I'd be a little, had a little wind in my sails. He would call me into his office and he would pick that ball up and he would show it to me. He'd say, you ain't got one of these figures. You <laughs> uh, know how to push my button.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, it, it 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 really was. It was a uh, a great rivalry. There were so many great players that uh, were on both sides, and like as you said, you know that that playing twice a year really really uh, uh, you know made uh, it, it a special special rivalry that uh, took place. In a lot of years, you might play three times a year, uh, where you might yeah. catch him in the tournament as well.
1: Yeah. Well, my. When I, to show you how influential that was, when I grew up, you were talking about heroes. Some of my heroes were Delta St. John's players mm. that I watched when I was a kid at that game. And, uh, uh, they had a, a guard uh, in, in the early sixties that, that uh, made a move down the baseline. I forgive his name. He played for Dayton with Dan Sadler on that, that national championship uh, game team. Mm. And, uh, Oh, I wish I could remember his name now, but I I I went home after that game. I I mimicked his move. I spent the whole day out in the yard just trying to do what he was doing. And even the barber, as much as I hate to admit it, the barber played with uh, Dan Roadhouse played with the Carter twins. And yeah. I liked his game. He had a rocker step that I that I liked a lot. Yeah. And uh, when I was a sophomore, I actually got to play against that team, and they pressed all the time. And you know the Carter twins were some of the most exciting basketball players to ever play in this, regardless of decade or generation. They were the two as exciting as any two guards that have ever played in, mm. in Lima Land. I thought there were like three or four of them. Yeah. <laughs> because they were, I was this young sophomore, and I didn't. I turned around, there'd be Jimmy. I turned this way, there'd be Jerry. Everywhere I turned, there was a Carter. And uh, so I got the chance to play against that great Delphus basketball team. We didn't
0: win, but uh, it was a thrill for me just to be on the court with those guys. Yeah, for sure, for sure. No, that's uh, that's it's it's really you 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 capture so many good pieces of what is our history and in, in the in the uh, the history of Lima Land Hoops. Um, just uh, finish up with this, um, you, you know, today for those for those young folks that aren't uh, that that play a lot of organized basketball and. They play a lot of uh, games that uh, are inside gymnasiums. Where was it to go in Limeland to get a good basketball game when you were growing up?
1: Well, Bradfield, uh,
0: Inside or Copanova,
1: Outside? Outside, all outside. All outside. Whittier, and um, uh, in the D South, and there was Miss Paul Mission had a single basket. It wasn't full court, but the kids from Perry would come over there, and Perry was tough. Yeah. 60. And they had a, just a bevy of great, great players, and so you'd go down there, you, you get it handed to you. But it, it, you know, if you wanted to get better, there was a senior on my, when I was a sophomore named Dan O'Shaughnessy who played basketball. was a nice guard for LCC. played at Finley. He, he took me to a lot of places too. He was real instrumental. But a lot of outdoor basketball courts. Shawnee had a great outdoor basketball court on their uh, tennis courts. And uh, uh. So I think it's where the soccer field is now, that area. And they yeah. you know, that yeah. eight six, boy, they had some really good games, but very little indoor because, you know, you weren't supposed to be able to do open gyms. You know, there was very little contact between coaches. Mm. Uh, it was prohibited. Now, some coaches were doing it, but it wasn't like it is now. I mean, I didn't really start playing organized basketball till the fifth grade when CYO kicked in yeah and so now you know kids are playing, hey, I have two grandsons that were in a league in Columbus when they were three years old, oh my lord, they were they were in a league, so now it's it they're really getting them young <laughs> yeah and, uh, but in those days, you didn't get a lot of help you you were on your own in the summers to get better, and if you fell in love with the game, that's what you did,
0: yeah, for sure. I loved it, I loved uh I loved going to all those places that you mentioned or the majority of those places, uh Bradfield Center and Hopanova. I remember going out to Hopanova and uh I I, uh, I know that I was uh I, I you know, I, I know that I was in the minority as as a as a white young kid from the west end of Lima, but man I loved going out there and uh so my education was my sophomore year, I didn't g I never never really got picked. And then my junior year, I was, I would start to get picked a lot. And by my senior year, I was one of the family and I was able to, I was actually one of the pickers. I was one of the, you know, captains and one of the guys that could, could, uh, could do that. And so I, I have great members. I sometimes drive around out in those areas, the cook park area. I played, you mentioned Anthony Thompson earlier at, and, uh, he, he really took me under his wing and he always would let me kind of tag along and, and be a part of his world. And, uh, um, yeah, I was. That, those were great days. So I'll drive around there. I, sometimes I'll go get lunch and have lunch over by Cook Park just to kind of you know soak in the nostalgia of uh, those uh, those games. And, and those games, Coach, you're right. Those games were half court mostly at Cook Park. You'd play like three on three or four on four, and uh, if you lost, it was going to be a long time to get back on the court. Yeah so
1: yeah those games they were intense 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 basketball games in the summer but yeah you know competitors that's what you love that's why you played it
0: yeah for sure well coach it's not only a pleasure to catch up with you but uh pleasure to have you on uh, this very podcast and uh thanks for all you do for uh creating and, and remembering the the history of limeland and then publishing it in the lima news with uh, your great columns those are must reads and uh, it's, been a, uh, it's been a pleasure. We'll do uh, number two where uh, it ends with a state title, as uh, everybody knows, and it'll be fun walking down that memory lane uh, as well. So thank you very much for being a part of this, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, the next time.
1: Okay, man. It was a pleasure. Stay safe.
0: Thanks, Coach.